I have a confession to make. I hate swimming. If you know me, you already knew that. If you came the first week, you probably already knew that. And the reason why I start with that tonight is because I don't know if you've been outside recently, but last week it was downpouring for what seemed like forever. And uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced like this moment in life where you haven't exercised in so long that you're like guilt, just nothing but guilt sets in. And you're like, you know what, this is about the time that I have to go to do something that involves movement in order to get over this guilt. And so I was trying to figure out what I was going to do this past week. And because of the rain, I couldn't go outside. And I don't know if you can tell, but I don't lift weights. Um, It's just not me. It's not for me. That's that's kind of my calling is everything but weights in life. And so uh, I was like, you know what? It's time to return to the pool. It's time to go back. And so I go to the pool and I kind of, this is like, this is a big deal for me. And so I get to the pool, I get in the pool. That's also a big deal for me. And so I'm in the pool and I start to swim. And per usual, I start to drown. I don't start to swim. I just, it, very quickly, I realize that swimming is so overrated. And it is just the dumbest sport that ever existed. I don't know who decided to jump in water, go somewhere and say, that should be a sport. Let's do that. I don't know who invented that. But I don't, I'm I'm not thankful for them. And so I'm in the pool, I'm drowning. And finally I'm like, I'm done. I quit. I stand up because I'm on the kiddie side of the pool. I stand up. I'm like, I can't, can't handle this. And I I decide I'm going to break pool etiquette. Uh, Pool etiquette. I don't know if that's a thing, but I, I, I think it's a thing. And there was another guy in the pool and I yelled at him. Say, hey. How do you swim? And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, I don't know. I just can't do this. And he looked at me, he goes, you need to learn how to breathe. And I was like, okay, tell me how to breathe. And he's like, when you're underwater, you have to exhale everything. So that when your head comes above water, the only thing you're doing is inhaling. And I was like, thank you for teaching me how to breathe. I appreciate that, right? Like you know how to breathe. I know how to breathe. This guy. And so I get back in the water. And I start going again. And it changed everything. It changed everything. Why? Because breathing is foundational to swimming, right? It's actually foundational to life as well. Newsflash. Breathing is foundational to swimming. And and the thing that we're going to talk about tonight as we continue or end this series called Pause is, is this thing called confession. And confession is is something that we really don't understand if, if we're honest. We're like, who confesses, why, how do I need to go to a confessional? What, what do I do? And I even heard recently a student say, I haven't confessed anything in my entire life. And that struck me. That struck me. Because just as it's impossible to swim without breathing, 
it's impossible to follow Jesus without confessing. You can't follow Jesus if you don't understand what confession means and what it looks like. And so tonight, we're going to look at what God's word has to say about confession. And we're going to go in this order, just where we're going tonight. We're going to look at what this passage says about God. We're going to see what this passage says about man. And then we're going to see how do we apply this passage? What does obedience look like from this passage? And that's going to be the progression of the night. But what I also want you to know is that that progression is the very way that many people that I know, love, and respect read their Bibles. So I put it on the screen so that you can have this. If you've ever opened your Bible and been like, what does this mean? The Lord is my shepherd. That's weird. Like, what, what does that mean? And when you open up your Bible and you read something, you can ask these three questions. What does this say about God? What does this say about man? And how can I apply this today? So that's the progression for the night, but also the progression that you may want to consider using as you sit, listen, and receive. As we talked about last week, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 1. If you brought your Bibles, you can turn there with me. What you need to know is that the Apostle John is writing this letter. It's kind of a letter pastoral, maybe a sermon, who exactly knows. But, but this, the person writing was Jesus' right-hand man. This is the disciple who Jesus loved. John was probably lo- young when he spent his time with Jesus. He was probably one of the youngest disciples. So this happens to be uh, a, one of the books of the Bible that was written later. And, and that you're like, okay, big deal context. I'm not writing that down in my notes, right? But what the reason why that's so significant is because a lot of the first generation of Christians had died, including the disciples. And so uh, many of the disciples have passed away and, and all this all this is going on, this first generation of people that were with Jesus or saw Jesus and learned from Jesus, a lot of them are gone. And so John is still around and he's writing this to explain to the next generation and the future generations, what is this whole thing called Christianity? What does this whole community look like of people that follow Jesus? What, what, is this, what does it mean to, to follow him each and every day? Who is Jesus? What is, how does it change our lives to know him and be in relationship with him? How does it change the way that we treat one another? So John has written this to clarify. And that's significant. That's significant, that that he is just giving us a foundation. He's showing us, hey, this is what it looks like in light of what God has done, what Jesus has done while he was here on earth. And we know that this is a reliable source. I've already told you, this is the Apostle John, but verse 5 says this, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. This is the message we have heard from him. You need to know, John isn't just making this up for himself. He heard Jesus talk about this. He heard it straight from God himself. And it's likely, just think about this, that John like slept in the same tent as Jesus. John went to the bathroom with Jesus. He, He was like roommates with Jesus for three years, just traveling around, camping everywhere. 
He's saying, this is the message that we've heard, that, that he, has, he has lived with, and that we proclaim to you. So this is a reliable message. And what is that reliable message? What's the first thing he's going to do to clarify what it looks like to follow Jesus? And what is the foundation to, to this thing called Christianity? What, what is this? And the first thing he says is that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. So again, the first question we were going to ask tonight is what does this say about God? The first point tonight is that God is light. You could even add that in him is absolutely no darkness at all. This is the foundation. This is where John starts. He's telling us what it looks like to be in fellowship and and right relationship with God. And he's saying God is light. And if we're honest, like, that sounds awesome. God is light. Am I right? That is awesome. But also, you have the right to say, What does that mean? That's a metaphor in some ways. And what what we need to know about this time in history is that light and dark was used a lot in the Bible. These different, these two things were were contrasting in the Bible. And so it, it shows us that God isn't a light. He is light. And he, in fact, has no darkness. This wouldn't have been as abstract for them as it is for us. God is light. Sounds like, like a good thing for you to tweet, you know, at some point. But, but at the end of the day, what it would have meant for them is two things. First, intellectually, or mentally, I'll say. First, mentally, God is light would have meant that God is true. God is truth. Logically speaking, light and darkness, God is light would have been truth. Darkness would have been error, false. So mentally speaking, true, false. That's what they would have known that this connotation means, that God is light. And then mentally, and then, and then next, morally, what, what would it have meant? To the, to the readers of the time, it would have meant, it would have meant he was pure. God is light. God is pure. Darkness is evil. This is the contrast. This is the contrast. And here's the shame for you and for me is that we read this and we're like, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Let's keep reading because this is just not that awesome. This isn't, this isn't like necessarily compelling. You're sitting there and you're like, this guy's going to start with this. God is light. Okay, let's go. Here's the problem. We don't focus on God's character. Too often we jump to the me, me, me. What does this have to say about me, right? But what you need to know is that John is giving us the foundation and you need to know and I need to be reminded that the foundation starts with God who is light and in him is no darkness at all. And that is a big deal because it's not about you. The foundation is about God. We neglect to focus on God's character because we see ourselves as the main character. We neglect 
to focus on God and his character because we see ourselves as the main character. But what we need to understand is that this thing, this statement that God is light is absolutely amazing. I actually was trying to think of how to illustrate this. And I thought of this. Can you think of anything that isn't just a blank, but is blank? Kind of philosophical, so just hang with me for a second. Can you think of anything that isn't just a blank, but is blank? Think of something that's the essence of something. This is a building. Do you know a building that you could say, that is building? The Alico is building. What? Can you think of a towel that you're like, this is a towel? No, no, no. This is towel. No. And that's, those are objects. Let's talk, about, let's talk about light. Only God is light and not just a light. Only God is, is truth and not just a truth. He's the only thing I could think of that isn't just a something. He is something. He's the essence. That's huge. But again, we're like, God is light. Next. Simple. Doesn't tickle our ears. This is so important and so meaningful. Thank goodness God is bigger than we can even imagine because you can't think of something that is light and isn't just a light other than God himself. But this is good news. We shouldn't want to fo- we we shouldn't want to follow a small God we should want to follow a being that's bigger than anything we can dream of. So the first point was that God is light. Let's keep reading. We're going to find out what this says about man and woman. Verse 6. It says this. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So if we say we have fellowship with him, this word fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. It, it, it means intimacy, relationship. If we say we have a relationship with the God who is light, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So what does this say about man and woman? It, sh- it shows us that we hide in the dark. We walk in the darkness, but claim to be in fellowship with the light, which is a lie. We know, logically speaking, light and dark can't coexist, right? Just, just think about it for a moment. Like, like, they cannot coexist. If light comes into the darkness, darkness is gone. Simple. But I don't think we, we, we necessarily understand this. But what we do understand is the way that this plays out in a day-to-day circumstance. We know when it doesn't add up that people are claiming to follow God, but their life doesn't look like it, right? When they're claiming to be in fellowship with God, light, but they're living in darkness. Let's just think of a few examples. First, you have the person who's like, I'm a believer who, who believes in God and I follow Jesus. I lead a Bible study and right after you're done with Bible study, you say amen. And then the next thing you know, it's like, oh my gosh, did you hear what so-and-so did last weekend? I can't believe she would do that. And what she went and did in this And they just gossip and judge and do all this stuff. You're like, I actually don't think that that adds up. 
with the God who is light and Christianity and following Jesus and uh, sin. Like that just seems to like not add up or my personal favorite or personal pet peeve is, is that the slick, you know, the guy that's wearing the cross necklace and is like jamming around, you know, is like, you know, gaming and all that stuff. And he's like up in your face for no reason. And he's cursing at you for, again, no reason other than you're good. And he's just like trying to talk mess, talk trash, always trying to pick a fight. And you're like, dude, just take the necklace off. It wouldn't bother me as much if you didn't have that thing around your neck, Right. Makes me want to grab it, right? It sounds okay, that's too far. But we know you're like, dude, you should not be wearing that. Like your life, it, it doesn't seem to, it, it doesn't necessarily add up. It's called hypocrisy. We hate it in others, but we ignore it in ourselves. Too often, we have thoughts that are dark, sinful. We do things in the dark that are sinful and hidden. People don't know about, people don't see it. We have a tendency towards darkness. We are sinners. And so it's easy to, to, to laugh about that slick guy. But it also kind of makes us feel uncomfortable because we're starting to realize, wait, there's things in my life that are kind of in the dark. It doesn't add up with knowing the God who is light. Because God is light. We, we can't live up to that. Every one of us, if we had to sit down, I want you to consider this. Sit down next to God, and watch the last month of your life with him. Man, I'd be embarrassed for myself. I'd be like, let's just fast forward this part where I'm talking trash about that person. Let's just keep going, right? But from the beginning, we have a tendency to hide in the darkness. We have a tendency to turn to the darkness. We have a tendency to live in darkness. Why? Because we're sinners. But again, from the beginning, let's think about Adam and Eve. Genesis 3. They eat of the fruit. They sin. They disobey God. And what do they go do? They go and hide. Let's look at the scripture. Genesis 3, 8 and 10. They heard the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid, him, him, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Good luck. He's omnipresent. But let's just continue. So they're hiding. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? As if he didn't know, right? He's God. And man said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid because of what? I was naked and I hid myself. I was embarrassed, God. I have darkness, I have shame, I'm naked. I feel exposed. From the beginning of time, we've had a tendency to hide in the darkness. And in fact, one of the weirdest illustrations of this, my buddy, uh, my buddy showed me the other day an obituary from this guy named Val Patterson. He died in Salt Lake City, Utah. 
And in his obituary, he had written out a confession. It's a fascinating confession. We'll bring, and it says this. As it turns out, I am the guy who stole the safe from the Motor View drive-in back in June of 1971. I couldn't, I could have left that unsaid, but I wanted to get that off my chest. Then he goes on to say, also, I'm really not a PhD. What happened was, I, one day he went to pay his student loans off and the receipts must have crossed paths with the wrong person. And one day he received at his house a PhD and he went with it for the rest of his life. This homie was an engineer. And so he goes on to say, <laughs> I didn't even graduate <laughs> from college. I only had about three years of college credit. In fact, I never did even learn what the letter PhD stood for. Amazing. I don't know what it stands for either. Anyways, for, and then he says, for all the electric, electronic engineers I've worked with, I'm sorry. A little late, but that's okay. But I have to admit, my designs always worked very well. This is amazing. And we're well engineered and I always made you laugh at work. That's good too. Now that I'm, uh, now that I'm, uh, now to that really mean park ranger, after all, it was me who rolled those rocks into your geyser and ruined it. I did notice a few years later that old faithful was working again. I'm like, this guy is, he lived a life. And then he said, lastly, to Disneyland. You can throw away that ban for life file you have on me. I'm not a problem anymore. Also to SeaWorld San Diego too, if you read this. (laughs) That's a funny example. (laughs) This guy. We tend to wait. We tend to hide in the darkness. We don't want people to know the truth. We first saw that God is light. Secondly, we saw that we hide in the darkness. And a lot of us are like, wait a second. Uh, Is that it? It can't be. Because we, if we admit, if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of us, our lives don't match up with the God that we proclaim to walk with or live with. So let's keep reading in verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What's the application tonight? What does obedience look like leaving here? Obedience is walk in the light. What I love about the first verse here is it says, but if we walk in the light, in verse seven, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. What you need to know about the Greek is that the walk and the cleanse are in the present tense. So walk in the light, 
the blood of Jesus' son cleanses us. So walk and cleanse are both present tense. What that means is it's ongoing. It's continuous. As we walk, we're cleansed. As we walk in the light, we're cleansed. It's this each step of the way. If we're walking in the light and we're, we're, we're moving towards the light, as we're bringing things into the light, we're cleansed with the blood of Jesus. And I'm not saying that walking in the light means that we become perfect. No. No. It just means that we acknowledge that we're imperfect. And we turn to the God who is light. To be walking in the light means that you are honest, that you are not the light. God is. And the first step to being in right relationship with God is honesty. It's confession. That's what we see from, from this verse. We acknowledge that God is light, God is pure, and I am not. I need somebody to make me pure. And I just want to take a step back for a moment and, and, and just acknowledge, if you're sitting here and you're like, hold up, I'm not that bad. I've been a pretty good kid in my lifetime. I haven't done as many bad things as the person next to me that I live with, right? I'm not that bad. Verse 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Beware of thinking I'm good. I don't need this. You can't get the light unless you admit you are in the dark. So walking in the light means to confess and be cleansed. But what does it mean to confess? You can write this down. To tell or make known. The Greek word here for confess means confess. Because it's a translation from Greek to English, y'all. That's what it is. To tell or to make known. To just say to God, and we'll talk about it in a second, to our group of others, our people, our community that we're connected to. But why don't we confess? Why don't we walk in the light? Let's camp out here for a second. What's going to keep you from, from leaving here and not applying this passage to our lives? First thing, fear. It's actually pretty much everything. We are scared out of our minds that somebody might go behind our backs and tell them what, tell others what we, what we said about ourselves and what we had done. We're scared out of our minds that we're going to be rejected as we as we let somebody in. We're like, hey, I want to bring this to light and let you know all these things I've done or a few things I've done, maybe just one thing I've done. And if we're just afraid that that we're going to be rejected, it's going to be so embarrassing. They're going to be they're going to be judgmental and all this stuff. And and I just can't even. You can't. There's no way. There's no way, Dale. There's absolutely no way I could tell my roommates or my people or my small group or my this or that my community. There's just no way. You don't understand. They'll reject me. Or our reputation, we're like trying to build this glass house called reputation and we're trying to make sure it's clean every day of the week. And it's like, no, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't. 
I can't lose this. They have to think I'm, I'm good. They can't, they can't think that I'm, I'm not the good dude, good dude, good girl, whatever we call people these days. Oh, yeah, she's such a good dude. We want to keep that. Why? We're scared. Rejection. Reputation. Or we're just scared that we're the only ones. Like, no, 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 you don't understand, Dale. Like, it's just me. I'm an exception. Like, nobody else really deals with this. Let me just tell you, that is a lie. You are not an exception. We're scared, Dale. No, 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 I can't. Why else don't we do it? We don't take the time. It's actually exactly how it fits in this series called Pause. We don't take the time to stop. Confess to God and confess to our community. Bring it into the light. Who do I confess to? We don't know who to confess to. That's why we don't sometimes do it. And I've been using these, these buzzwords like community or connection, your small group, your roommates possibly. Here's what I want you to know. All these times that we've said vertical isn't a church. It's a supplement, not a substitute. And we've been telling you, be connected to the local church. This is why. You're not in a vertical small group unless you're a volunteer on a team that has a specific purpose. You're not in a vertical small group. You don't have people to turn to. That's why we ask you to be connected to the local church so you have a group of people that you can turn to and bring things to the light to. But here's the deal. Some of you don't have that. And what I'm gonna tell you right now is you need to create it. Think of two to four people. If you don't have it, Create it. That's who. Two to four people that you love and trust. People that won't reject you. People that won't judge you. People that won't go and talk bad about you behind your back. Find those people. And if you can't find those people, come to me. Come to, come to us or go to the local church. I've already told you that. So who, we, we see who to go to because we know We've all fallen short. We know we all have hidden in darkness. A lot of us, we're like sweating right now because of what we're talking about. We're scared that we're not gonna find forgiveness, but I wanna encourage you with this. Can you think of a single passage in the Bible where Jesus condemns a sinner? Forgiveness is waiting on us. It is his essence. Light. Verse nine, I will read it again over you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
Verse 7, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Just as God had to step into Adam and Eve's life and provide a sacrifice to clothe their nakedness, to, to take care of their shame so that they could be restored to right relationship with him. Adam and Eve, God had to sacrifice to cover them. The same is true. That was the first sacrifice. Jesus was the final sacrifice for you and for me. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We too are restored by the blood of a sacrifice. And this is good news. Because confession isn't easy. And in fact, confession doesn't make consequence go away. But it does make sin wash away. Confession isn't easy, but let me tell you, as 1 John 1, 4 says, that John was giving us the foundational truths to this life, and he said he is writing these things so that our joy may be complete. I'm not telling you confession is going to be easy. It may come with pain and tears, but I'm telling you that eventually it frees you to walk in the light, and there is joy with God. It's a lie from the enemy that following Jesus is cheating you from life. I'm begging you to walk in the light. I'm begging you. What does it mean to walk in the light? This is vague, this last point, this application. Here are two things. One, confess and two, pray. James 5, 6, seating. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Healing isn't perfection. It's as we walk in the light, we become more like the light. Confess and pray. And then for those of you that are going to receive confession from the people sitting next to you or your roommates or maybe people that you need to share this podcast with before you confess to them, the people that are going to receive confession briefly, what you need to know is that you need to receive, pray, and beware. When you receive, don't be surprised by sin. Receive means don't jump to wise counsel and fixing the situation. Receiving means show the same forgiveness that you have been shown by God. Show them that same forgiveness. Galatians 6.1, brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. That's why I added that beware. Be careful. Receiving people's sin could, could, could sometimes be this dangerous place where we think we're better than others. And I'm telling you, pride comes before destruction in that. Beware. Galatians 6.1. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Nobody is above any sin. Sin shouldn't be a surprise. So again, walk in the light. How do we walk in the light? Confess and pray. How do we do that? We have to schedule it. We have to create space for it. You have to connect to a small group. You have to make it happen. Within the next 24 to 48 hours, I'm begging you to apply this to your life. And I'm not just talking about this this shallow confession where it's like, I'm gonna confess that I'm selfish. Great, everyone is. I'm gonna confess that I struggle with the approval of man. That's like 50% of walking the light. 
Then you might say, I've confessed that I, I posted this picture to try to win over the approval of man. That's like 99%. That's getting more specific. That's getting a lot closer to what's really going on. But what I want to encourage you to do is to totally walk in the light. Admit, I confess that I took Adderall because, which wasn't prescribed to me. I need to clarify that. I'm taking drugs that, aren't, that weren't given to me. Why? Because I'm trying to win the approval of my parents and I'll do whatever it takes and it's crushing me. That's walking in the light. That's clear confession. That's exactly what it looks like. Or maybe, maybe you're struggling with pornography and you're like, I just struggle with pornography. No, 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 that's not walking the light. It's I confess that I've been struggling with pornography and when I look at it, I masturbate. And after I masturbate, I feel shame. And then I go and I access it. This is all access on my phone through Safari. And because it's shameful, I delete and clear all. And I don't want anyone to know and I need to bring it to the light. That's walking in the light. That's what it looks like. But so many of us, so many of us, we all have a closet. I don't know if you're like me, but in college I had this closet. We called it the ski closet. It was really just the crap closet. There were some skis in there because we like to ski and wakeboard. But we would take all the crap I just can't think of a better word. And it was all the stuff that we didn't want to deal with. And we'd throw it in the closet. And so we were pretty clean. We'd do the dishes every once in a while. You know, we'd clean our house, spring cleaning, like once a month. And uh, so we would do this. But every spring cleaning, the the closet would grow. The closet, the, the stack of the stuff we didn't want to deal with would grow. Each and every time it would grow. And for us... Most of us are like, yeah, I'm good with cleaning out the house, making sure it's tidy, my stuff looks good, keeping up my reputation. But at the end of the day, we have a closet. And we aren't willing to talk about it. We're not willing to bring that stuff to the light. But I'm telling you, God is light. He can handle your darkness. So in summary tonight, God is light. We hide in the dark. We must walk in the light. And I'm pretty passionate about this. I'm passionate about this for a lot of reasons. But first, I'm passionate about this because your eternity depends on it. As I said earlier, confessing is as necessary in the Christian life as breathing is in your physical life or in swimming. Because Romans 10, 9 It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Your eternity depends on a confession. That's what's gonna get you in. It's not your good. It's a confession of who God is. That's why I think it's so important. But also why I think it's so important is because so many of us, we're living in complacency because we don't know what to do. We aren't growing. We're begging for breakthrough. We want some sort of emotional moment that's just gonna fix us. And we don't realize that walking in the light is this one day at a time ongoing thing. 
That's why I'm so passionate about this. And, and, and really one of the last reasons I'm so passionate about this is because I think college students, uh, you, and, and even when I was in college and even now today, I, I think we just think it can wait. And I wanna read you something. This is a tweet. It says this, to be walking in the light means that you are honest that you are not the light. God is. My friend tweeted this. His name is Garrett Luce. He tweeted this while he was at a Bible study in College Station called Breakaway on the campus of Texas A&M. They studied the passage, this passage, the night that he tweeted that. He died exactly a month later in a tragic, tragic accident. I took the phone call. I'll never forget it. I think we think we're invincible. And I'm just telling you, we're not. Our time is limited. It is time to bring stuff to the light. I'm so glad I know my friend did. He knew the God who is light. He brought things to the light. I'm so thankful for the confidence I can have in that. You are not invincible. You're living in the dark and I'm begging you to walk in the light. We have a God who is light and can handle your darkness. And he's forgiven you, why? Because he loves you. And we were meant to walk in that love and walk in that light. It can change the world. Let's pray. Father, and this next time, I pray that you would help us to walk in the light. Would anything that would keep us from bringing something to light, would that distraction, that lie, that whatever it is, would it be removed by the power of your Holy Spirit? I pray for you to bring things to the light. Right now, would you, would you bring things to our mind in these next moments that we need to confess to you and then take to our people, our community, And this next time, I beg of you to move, Jesus. And as you shine light in this place, I beg for revival. I believe that revival starts as we bring things to the light. And so, Lord, we ask that you would do it again. I pray it boldly. Jesus, move in this time, but first work revival in our own hearts. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being light, being able to handle our darkness, not being ashamed of us, but loving us in spite of our sin and even during our sin. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name.